Good morning. It is Monday, December 20, December 31st, 7.46 a.m. I'm sitting here with Lavinia. She was in a mood, and right now she's sitting on top of me and purring really loudly, so I'm glad that she's calmed down. Um, she gets in these unpleasable moods. Um, where nothing pleases her, and fortunately she just wanted to be held today, so fair enough. I know the feeling. Uh, the weekend was pretty good. Uh, no, no dreams that I could remember succinctly except for a big jumbo dream that I had on Saturday night that... There, it involved a, a Nazi uniform that was that someone was trying to turn into an American uniform, military uniform. I was at it was a uh, being displayed in a, in the kitchen of an old farmhouse where I somehow ended up. Oh God, this annoying woman was basically thanking me for babysitting her kids as she was dropping the kids off for me to babysit and watch, which I had no foreknowledge of. Um, just, a, just a jumble of people, but I guess the only thing that really united them is that I knew them for a long time, but not super well. That was the thing that kind of united all these different people. Um, but yeah, it was weird that the uniform was creepy so creepy um and then i had a dream another dream on the same night that i uh went to get some water and i noticed the dishes in the sink each one had a big bullet hole through them so i'm sure it means something but also i've been drinking a lot of water and going to the sink and stuff um so yeah saturday night I went over to Anne's house. Uh, we had a late dinner. Um, I had two Manhattans and then one glass of red wine. Um, there were there was a nice little spread of of sliced salami and prosciutto and um, a little cheese board and some peppers and then the main deal was a, a really yummy salad and fondue hello i love those little fondue forks um it was good uh Anne was worried that there was too much nutmeg in in the uh cheese but there there wasn't it was just perfect and uh we watched the movie saved with macaulay culkin and then I went home because it was late. I think it was 12.30 or 1 in the morning. Um, but uh, I've grown accustomed to these nocturnal dinner parties. They're, they're hella fun. Um, yesterday, I just went and uh, met Taylor and um, Jen over at uh, Lamed in the Castro. Uh, Burke 
Taylor's partner was working there. Uh, we had a kind of a largish Mediterranean mezza brunch spread. It was a lot of food. Um, but during the, the uh, lavish brunch, um, we started talking about our health, fitness, and beauty plans for uh, 2019. Now, I'm not going to give away any major secrets, but let me just put it this way. Um, when you're on that subject matter and and uh, working on your health, fitness, and beauty goals for the new year, somehow you don't want to just sit there and stuff your face full of food. I don't know why, but we, we did a good job. We did a good job. Um, it was just a lot of food. Um, and I'm feeling confident about my new plan. I was already kind of on that trajectory with the spinach eating and whatnot. And it's still been eating a lot of spinach. Um, I had one last uh, meal at Weeby Sushi. Um, I always get the early bird special. It was nice and quiet in there. My favorite waitress was there to attend to me. And that's that. Um, backing up just a little bit before I went to Weeby, I went to the elbow room. The elbow room is closing here in the San Francisco side. Uh, there is an East Bay location, um, but it's just not the same as you know. So yeah, we went there. Uh, I did a tarot reading for a friend and then we uh, had one more drink. I had, uh, my first drink was a snifter of brandy and then I had um, Aperol and soda. I just wanted to keep it light. I really wanted to be sharp and uh, get the podcast done in a timely manner. Um, so I really, basically being hungover is no fun. Um, but yeah, there there was this goober. Uh, right around the time we were getting ready to leave, he just started lurking near the booth that we were at. like Just like with this like blank eating grin on his face and he had was drinking a rolling rock beer I didn't even know they still made those um and he had a short sleeve plaid shirt on and I just you know what he was trying to talk to me and I was just like no 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 until he finally got the message finally got the message I I don't he must have been intoxicated that he would even dare to approach me I just there's something wrong with that picture um wherein we excused ourselves because he kind of had us hedged in and uh, that's when I went to Weeby and then after that I did some reading and research and um, chose which items of uh, San Francisco's history I wish to highlight I wanted to talk about the layers of corruption in in San Francisco, which were being brought to light. Abraham Roof, Abe Roof made a, 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 he was a union boss at the time, just for those, if this is your first time listening, at the time of the San Francisco earthquake. Um, in October of 1906, Abe made a serious, blunderous misstep. He, he let his power go to his head. Um, he did it in a kind of sink or swim move because he knew he was under investigation um, by uh, Haney 
and uh, Rudy Spreckles and James Fillon, um, who had uh, teamed up with uh, Teddy Roosevelt to uh, lay the heat on the corruption and oust him eventually. Uh, what he did was he had the um, district attorney fired <laughs> and then re- replaced himself as DA. Um, and this, he did it midnight <laughs> and thought that would work because uh, the, the DA's right-hand man, Mr. Haney, um, was pretty hot on his trail. Um, there was so, there was so much bribery going on and, um, we're not talking about just the French restaurants and brothels. We're talking about the electric company, the telephone company. He was trying to create a monopoly so that you could only choose one one telephone company, he controlled everything, most likely so he could listen in on everybody. Um, the railroads were in cahoots. The municipal transportation, as we know it, Muni, which was in its em- barely embryonic phase, uh, was, um, was also um, part of this. No one was exempt from... Uh, bribery in exchange for quote protection um everyone well this is how shady it was they had these things back in the day called crib houses which were massive brothels um you know just where you go in and you get someone turns your crank and then you go out and rinse repeat all day long okay um these housed usually over up to about 150 different working women um who would service their clients in these tiny rooms which they rented and um they were more like stalls i mean i don't know what some people's experiences are but if you are in a mood and the opera in your you know consensually engaging you know um you can pretty much do it anywhere and um i guess they proved the point um alfred andrew owned a crib house on 712 pacific street and um he had just opened it at the time of the case well, he had only been open for three weeks um right around the corner was a a building called that was known as the municipal crib which was owned by herbert schmitz um who was eugene the mayor's brother now i don't know much about herbert um i guess he was not the pretty one because no one no one uh he's not known as pretty herbert schmitz or handsome herbert um what is known about him is that he was extremely greedy and um he was the cat's paw so to speak of gene schmitz he often acted by proxy um in gene schmitz stead um, just so Gene wouldn't get his mayoral paws dirty. Um, so yeah, Alfred Andrew owned this crib house right near the municipal crib. Now the municipal crib was, 
was a booming uh, crib house brothel. Um, and so this this Andrew's uh, shady crib house, so in such close proximity, posed a threat. He was paying $400 a week for protection. So I guess that's equivalent to, I don't know, let's just say about $10,000 a week. And it was closed down after three weeks because it interfered with the municipal crib. Andrew had uh, tried to maintain the good graces of uh, Abe Roof and company by presenting Abe Roof with a diamond R-shaped stick pin for his cravat. It was it cost about six hundred dollars, and Abe did wear it around town. So he re- so uh, Alfred Andrew truly thought that he was in the clear. Um, and that he could um, keep his little crib house open for um, the price of a um, tacky yet expensive bit of bling or bobble, you know. Um, it's it's very strange. It's it's a it's a uh, a naive sentiment on his part. Um, for for a roof, a diamond stick pin. That was only six hundred dollars. That he might have given him a piece of pocket lint, you know. Um, he was Roof was not a showy, extravagant man, um, but he had massive wealth. He was extremely wealthy and powerful. So yeah, it was just a, it was it was a paltry gesture um, from a from a slime weasel. Um, the chief of Police, Mr. Um, Chief Dinan, explained in the courtroom why he closed down the crib house, and he said, a priest told me about it. How did the priest know? How did the priest know about this crib house? That's the thing that baffles me. Um, You know, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. You know what I mean? Uh, The priest said that the chief lied. Because he said that he reported it the day that the um, crib house, the new crib house opened. He knew about it. Paul Hudred, manager of the municipal crib, was also brought to the stand. Um, and that the municipal crib was owned by aliases. Above them, among them, the aforementioned Herbert Schmitz, who went under the alias of Delia L. Walsh. So an alias. Um, all, a different alias altogether. Joseph Alexander, who was a shepherd, a sheep herder on the Mexican border, whom Paul Hudred was convinced was a Roof. Okay. Um, there were about 130 women there. Um, most of the women, over 100 of the women, paid 30 a week for a stall. And then there were about 16 more who paid 20 a week for a lesser quality stall, if you can imagine. Um, and then there was um, this guy named Billy Finnegan who stepped forward to uh, confirm Hudred's story. And, you know, uh, he was, you know, they all received death thre- threats for coming forward about the bribery, both, both camps, um, especially though Alfred and Drew, and, uh, they all skipped town 
except for Alfred. Um, he stayed in San Francisco long enough to be charged with inducing a woman into a life of shame. The woman that, uh, you know, that got him busted did not exist. Um, and then Herbert Schmitz disappeared. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Gene Schmitz was still on his pleasure cruise. He was coming back. He was coming back into New York. He and his wife, Julia, had spent a king's ransom traveling here and there. So oblivious. Oh, my God. They had no idea until a a, a friendly, well-meaning doctor on on the same ship uh, brought him a newspaper that said uh, he, both he and um, Abe Roof were in, being indicted on charges of corruption and bribery. Julia, Julia Schmitz did not take it well. She was very upset. She was so embarrassed. Jean took it in stride and kind of laughed it off. He said it was because they were jealous of him. These politically ambitious bastards. They wanted his mayoral throne. It was so laughable. He did not realize the hand that was up his throat. You know, he was a puppet, a puppet, a marionette mayor at best. Um, but yeah, he was just so full of himself. It, it's a great lesson in in uh, in self-awareness, like knowing your place in this world. And if it's power you seek, don't just take a crumb. Real, look at where that power, the source of the power is coming from and and examine exactly what how much power you really have. Um, Gene was very big for his britches. He was greeted at the dock, kind of like in Hoboken, I believe, uh, by a sheriff there to make sure, not, not to arrest him, not to arrest him, but to make sure that he wasn't whisked away to escape. And guess what? On that dock in New York, there were spies. There were spies. They were all there watching his every move. So, um, um, he was oblivious. There was a group of, you know, men, women, and children greeting Schmitz. He was glad handing up a storm. He was kissing babies. He did not know. He did not care. Um, and he just thought that he was going to get through it. Um, as soon as the train stopped in Truckee, Schmitz was arrested, and again, Julia had a shit fit. She thought that the the sheriff there who arrested who arrested him um, was their friend and would not arrest them. Um, but he was arrested and, and brought back. Um, and it was just a circus. It was just a circus. Um, so much rioting going on. The trial, um, which I will cover a bit more extensively next week. The trial was held in a Sharif Israel temple downtown. Um, this was used a lot after the fire as kind of a de facto courthouse. Um, it was 
in, it was a huge service to the community, even though um, a, a dichotomy existed because there were so many um, corrupted people in leadership under this, you know, in this sacred space. Um, but there was a lot of make-do um, and makeshift housing and offices still around. Um, they People were conducting their business um, in all sorts of spots. Um, Abe Roof, for example, had his office in this dilapidated house that he was paying up about $1,000 a month for. Does this sound familiar? San Francisco has always had insane rents and in it, it, it started it started with the earthquake. Um, there's been uh, brief periods and pockets of affordability, but they're fleeting. And um, for those who struggle here uh, with insane rents, that is nothing new. So take heart. It's just a cycle of history repeating itself. I am very close to cracking a case um, involving the Gray Brothers, and I'm very close to uh, getting the information about who the original um, owners of the house on Noe Valley were. Uh, the The house on Noe Valley um, is also home to two benevolent ghosts, and I wanted to find out who they were. Well, I also wanted to take note, as this is New Year's Eve, I hope that you guys didn't go too ham on the resolutions and that you guys are all going to be good to yourselves next year. And I certainly would love to double my income and, um, you know, look fly doing it. But uh, most likely it'll, you know, as life goes by, you know, the the treasure is in the mundane for sure. Um, and 2019, I hope, will be even more <laughs> fabulous than 2018. Am I right? Um, this is the last time I will be speaking to you until next year. On that note... I bid you adieu. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>